Good morning. I pray that I'm a, appreciate the opportunity that you provide me to be up here and that the confidence you placed in me. And I, of course, I have no confidence without uh, the Lord's total help and assistance. And so I ask for continued interest in your prayers for that. Uh, I uh, spent the last couple of weeks, and I send good wishes to you. I spent the last couple of weeks in Washington, D.C. and New York uh, from Saturday to the following Sunday. So I spent two Sundays. Uh, the first Sunday, which would be the, the first Sunday of May, I went to Brother Stephen's church at Mount Carmel in Bel Air, Maryland, and he sends his uh, well wishes on all of you and said, Be sure and tell all of you hello, and enjoyed my visit with him. And of course, uh, Brother Kenny has invited him to be our guest speaker at our annual meeting this summer, so we'll be seeing him, but he, he wanted to make sure that I indicated to you that his, his love is strong in this church and tell every one of you hello. The following Sunday then, he pushed me and I went to the church service in New York City. I was in New York and, and had spent some time with my son Reed and his wife Elisa who were expecting my first grandchild, so I had to make sure that my investment is paying off. And so my, I've got a grandchild due in, in July, and so I spent some time with them. And Brother Steve pushed me to go to the New York service they have up there on Saturday uh, before the second Sunday. So now, now when I did that, he did that so that he could go down to Florida and be with his mother and his sisters, which was a good thing to do. So we had a good service in, in New York City. Brother Lloyd Wilkinson came up from Atlanta and uh, a couple of members from Bellard Church, and then two or three that are from that New York area and so they still have a good church service there and so any of you can I encourage you to if you ever have the chance it's a great time to work a vacation in but also go to New York and be able to participate in that service and support that ministry up there because I think it's it's very important and, and very encouraging for others to see that service going on leading song leading a song service this morning uh, I picked out a song that's been on my mind and that's the one I led second, and that's my heavenly home at 322. And, you know, uh, we're traveling on to that blessed home where saints and mortal dwell. We plan, we'll join in song with loved ones there and make our voices swell. Oh, who will come and go with us and help us sing that song? The song of Moses and the Lamb, the song of God's dear son. The song of Moses and the Lamb. What, what song is that talking about? Uh, I think there's a, a lot of doctrine wrapped up in that phrase there in that song and in, about the song of Moses and the Lamb. And that's what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning because it goes to the very heart of our doctrinal belief uh, in the Old Baptist Church. Song of Moses, of course, came from the Old Testament. It came at a time when Moses was uh, assisting the people and getting them out of Egypt where they were held in bondage, bondage and oppressed by uh, the Pharaoh in Egypt and uh, under a lot of oppression and, and slavery as, as such it was. And so Moses was called upon, and he's a figure of Christ in the Old Testament. He came in and he helped the people get out of Egypt. Uh, we know if you'll just give you a quick history, we're not going to go back there a little bit, but if you remember, uh, God called upon him to lead the people out of that oppression uh, get them out of bondage, and the first thing they did, of course, uh, Pharaoh wouldn't let them go, wasn't going to turn them loose, and so uh, God, through Moses, sent ten plagues. You know, that begins in chapter 7 through about chapter 10 of the book of Exodus. He sent all the plagues. I, I could go through them all, but the, the frogs and the lice and the blood 
you know, and through the ten different plagues that he put upon the Egyptian people to finally get Pharaoh to release them. And the last one was the big one, and that was the Passover was instituted in which they took the blood of a lamb and spread it on the doorpost. And, and of course, that's a great representative of Christ. The doorpost represents the cross. He took a, the, an unblemished lamb, and you took the blood of it, and you painted it on the doorpost above your doors. Uh, that represents the blood that Christ shed on the cross. He was our real Passover. This was a physical Passover, and in the middle of the night, the Lord came through the land and took the firstborn male of every man and animal that night. And that's the thing that caused uh, Pharaoh to finally realize that these people worship, this nation of Israel worships the real Lord, and he decided to let them go. And, of course, you know, we miss sometimes some little things about how they paid for their trip. They were all poor and oppressed. And it said in uh, verse uh, 36 of, of Exodus 12, And the Lord gave the people, people of Israel, favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them, and lent means that they gave it to them. That didn't mean he had to borrow it and bring it back. They gave unto them such things as they required. And back over here earlier, it says the Lord was going to direct them that they had to give silver, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. So the Egyptian people, as the, the Egyptians, I mean, the Israelites were ready to leave, the Lord uh, gave a blessing in that he kind of directed the people of uh, Egypt to see favor among these Israelites and gave them enough silver and gold that would help them pay and pay for their trip and sponsor and and uh, go along the way. <clears throat> we know that they they went and as soon as they left, Pharaoh changed his mind, and the Lord then provided his protection to the nation of Israel by giving them in, in the daytime a pillar of a cloud, and at nighttime a pillar of fire, so that he kept the Egyptians away from them as the nation of Israel. And remember. This was probably about somewhere between three and four million people. <clears throat> Almost a million people of just men, not counting the women and children. And it says, and then there were a lot of other people that joined with him. So most people estimated at least two million and probably maybe as many as four million people leaving a country in Egypt as it was and heading out across the desert into the wilderness, heading across toward the Red Sea. Moses and the Lord through Moses protected them with a pillar, gave them a lot of of protection from uh, Pharaoh catching up with them. Uh, and, of course, the people kept getting scared. Why are we doing this? They're going to catch us and kill us. And that's when Moses made his famous quote in chapter 14 of Exodus, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, they were about to get salvation. It was from the nation of Egypt and from getting killed. So it was salvation while they were alive. We know they crossed the Red Sea, and you all know that, that Moses raised up his arms and the Red Sea divided, and all the people crossed over on dry ground. And then the minute they got across, the Pharaoh and his, all his chariots and all his soldiers came across behind them, and, and they got caught out in the middle. And uh, Moses lowered his hands, and the, the waters uh, collapsed and, and drowned all the Egyptian soldiers. So the Lord gave his timely protection to the nation of Israel. In verse 30 of chapter 14 of Exodus, says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. Now, we're talking about eternal salvation. He saved them from being killed by the Egyptians and being taken back into bondage. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore, and Israel saw that great work 
which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people. And the people feared the Lord and believed uh, the Lord and his servant Moses. Lord provided great deliverance to the people, gave them salvation, as it said here, from the Egyptians. And in verse chapter 15, verse 1 starts off this way. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he hath thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Uh, he is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. Uh, my father's uh, God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is a man is as of his name. We know they go on and they start singing this song now, and it's in the middle of chapter 15. And it's a song that traces all the things the Lord <coughs> has saved them from, take them out of bondage and saved them from all these problems that are going on, saved them from the Egyptians. Uh, and then the Lord went on and provided his salvation to them uh, on a daily basis thereafter. And in fact, we know when, the, when they needed food, the Lord provided them manna from heaven free. When they needed water, and first the, the waters of Moriah it, it were bitter and they couldn't drink from them, so the Lord prepared a tree. They broke off branches of that tree and stuck it in the water and it turned it into sweet water. <coughs> he provided them water. As they move on into the wilderness, and keep in mind, they're still in the wilderness. They're still out in the middle of nowhere, but the Lord is providing them their daily needs, just like it says in the prayer. You know, give us, Lord, our, our, our daily bread. He provided them bread. He also provided them water. And then when they got away from those waters of Merah, they got out in the middle of the desert and they were thirsty again and the Lord directed Moses to strike a rock. We know that rock represents Christ. He struck a rock and it produced water out of a rock. We talk about, you know, you can't get blood or water out of a rock. Well, the Lord can, and he did. And he gave salvation. And he goes on and talks about <coughs> all the things the Lord did to protect his people. And that's what's represented in this song of Moses is how the Lord provides us our daily bread, our daily protection, everything that we actually need, the Lord provides it to us every day. That's what the Song of Moses is about in chapter Exodus chapter 15. I would encourage you to read it. It continues over in uh, Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, when Moses is turning over uh, the leadership to Joshua, it says in, in chapter 21 of, Moses, of Ex uh, Deuteronomy 31, Right in Deuteronomy 31, verse 21. And it shall come to pass, when many evils and troubles are befallen them, that this song shall, be, shall testify against them as a witness. <coughs> Moses says, here's this song that we've sang about the Lord, how he provides us deliverance from all our oppression and all our problems. He got with Joshua, and they added more to this song in Deuteronomy 31 and 32 about the Lord. And this is the song, and that's what we sing about on a regular basis, how the Lord, we praise the Lord and thank him for all the blessings he's given us, all the deliverance he's given us, and he, all, all the salvation he gives us. Of course, that's not talking about eternal salvation. It's talking about timely salvation, how we're saved, and, and that's what the Lord's prayer is all about, about we pray for our daily bread and forgive us of our sins now and, you know, and protect us from our enemies. And it gets over here at the end of chapter thirty. Uh, one and it says, and Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. And he goes on verse four and it talks about he is the rock, his work is perfect. And I encourage you to read that. I'm not going to read it, but it's a, a song you're familiar with. We from time to time that's the song of Moses. David repeated it 
in Psalms 18. And you all know we've talked about this. We sing it every now and then. Psalms 18, it says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower. And then we know this by the song. I will call upon the Lord, for who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The song of Moses is about the things the Lord does to deliver us from our problems and our cares and our salvation. Uh, our salvation from our enemies, our salvation from the problems of the world. We can turn to him. And the Lord, Moses, song of Moses is about doing that. And he says, I'll be saved from my enemies. <coughs> Excuse me. And over the end of that, Psalms 18, verse 46, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. David is talking about the same thing that Moses was and, and Joshua wrote about. Moses started it with the song of Moses, and this is all referred to as the song of Moses, how the Lord saves us. And David says, he has saved me from my enemies. And we know times we've studied David, how much the Lord saved David from his enemies and protected him from the problems of the world. We know even when they were in the wilderness and the snakes started biting them, the Lord provided Moses with that, that uh, rod that they all looked upon, the brazen serpent that they looked upon, and they were healed when they did that. They all prayed to the Lord. And uh, that's probably a lesson in that for us is that that's what we're to do from the, on a day-to-day basis. When we're confronted any type of problems, whether it's sickness or illness or problems in this world, we go back and read these songs and see what the Lord will do for you. If we'll turn and look to him, follow his law and follow his commandments, he will take care of us on a daily basis. That's the song of Moses. I want to turn now to Revelations chapter 15. Revelations, of course, was a vision that was given to John by Jesus. Gave him a vision and gave him a vision to look at a lot of things. Chapter 15, <coughs> a little bit complicated here, but John is looking into heaven and seeing into the future toward the end of time. The first, first couple of verses of that, he says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels, having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw it as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast. They've won out over the devil. They've won out over all the problems of the world. And over his image and over his mark and over the numbers of his name, stand in the sea of glass and having the harps of God. Angels were singing after having won all the battles in behalf of God. In verse 3 it says, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Now, please note here, this, you know, this, in the song we sing in the songbook says the song of Moses and the Lamb. <clears throat> John here makes it clear, excuse me, <clears throat> John here makes it clear that there's two songs, not one. One of the problems the world has, <clears throat> they, get, they tie up everything into one song, and that's the song of Moses. Moses time, the song of Moses is, you know, we follow his laws, we obey him, we go by his leadership, his guidance, read his commandments, go back and read all the law of Moses. If we'd follow it, we'd be saved from a lot of problems of this world. You know, I, I, I spoke a couple of years ago about the law of Moses and how good it was. You know, you don't eat red meat, you don't eat uh, certain meats and things like certain foods, and if we'd eat those today, we'd be healthier and, and wouldn't have the heart disease we do. Now, we've got medicine and we've learned and we've, we've grown and educated, we've learned how to take care of ourselves. Because I love all those things I'm not supposed to eat. So I take medicine then to get around it. But if we would follow that, 
we wouldn't have the diabetes we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have the heart disease we do. We'd have a lot of problems if we'd follow the law of Moses. We'd be saved in a timely manner from so many things if we'd follow the commandments of God. Love one another, love the Lord with all your heart. You know, Brother Ken and I were talking this morning with, I believe, Brother Keith and Brother Darrell about how the world has turned now to, you know, looking at ourselves. We let everything get in the way of our worship of the Lord. And when we do, we're going to pay the price for that without, when we're not paying attention to the Lord. And we're told if we follow, that's what the Song of Moses is about. Lord, take care of us today and tomorrow. Help provide us, get us through this world. Give us the peace that comes only from you. But over here now in Revelation 15, John says, but there's another song. There's two songs. They sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Song of the Lamb. What is the song of the Lamb intended to do? I'm going to back up real quickly and move along here so I can get out of Brother Kenny's way. Uh, John chapter 6, beginning in verse 31, Jesus is referring, <coughs> the disciples he's talking to, he's referring to back in the days when Moses was leading them out of that oppression of Israel and helping provide for them what the song Moses written about. He says, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. It was not Moses that gave you the bread. He said, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. He's referring to himself. We're out of the law of Moses. He says, law of Moses gave you bread, but the real bread of life is brought to you by the Son of God, brought to you by Jesus, the Lamb of God. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life to the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he had given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up against the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up again at the last day. The salvation that Jesus gives us is everlasting salvation. He gives us the gift of everlasting life and eternal life. And that's what he's telling them. And, you know, this, again, the world takes these words and they change them. And you can tell by looking at any other translation of the Bible. All these words that say, believeth, he that believeth on me. Believeth is perfect tense, ends with that E-T-H. That's perfect tense. That means it's past and present and future. You know, you have past tense, he believed in me at one time. I believe in you now, I believe, he believes, or I will believe in the future. Believeth is all of those encompassed. Once God touches your heart, you believe, you, you, I can say he believeth on him. It's inside you and it's not going to change. I may have believed something in the past I don't believe today. I may not believe something now that I will believe in the future. If you're a, you become a believer in God, you may not know why. You may not understand it. I may not understand all I'm supposed to do, but you believeth in God. I spoke, you know, a few weeks ago about uh, <clears throat> I was 
about being born blind. The young man's born blind. He said, you know, I don't know why or what. I don't know if it's a sinner or what's going on. I know one thing. I was blind, and now I see. And that's the starting point for all of us. When you have that in you, 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 you believe in God. And a lot of people will take that. A lot of the books, uh, the new Bible books that we see today, will take that and change that. Change that word believeth into believes. You get over and they'll say, well, you know, he that believes in me. That's not the same as a believeth. When he says here, he, uh, he talks about when, uh, when you believe in him, everyone that seeth God and believeth on him. Believeth means it's in you. You're going to believe on him. If he's touched you, you're going to be the, that ETH. You'll have that perfect tense. I go back here to Mark 16 to clarify something that we see every now and then. And <clears throat> end of Mark 16. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And creature we know, Apostle Paul tells us, that's everyone that's born of God. That's not talking about horses and grasshoppers and apes and birds. It's talking about all those people who have been converted by the Lord, been, been transformed where they become born again. It says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It says, believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Again, <clears throat> that's what both... That's got both the song of Moses and the, the song of the Lamb in here because he that believeth, that means God has put himself in your heart. You're a child of God. And is baptized shall be saved. You're going to be, you're already saved eternally if you're, if you're a believeth, and you will be saved by baptism. Baptism saves you under the song of Moses. It saves you today. You're following and doing good works. The song of Moses is about works. It's about you doing good works, and the Lord will honor and take care of you and deliver you from those works. <coughs> Now, and, and if you'll read all the modern translations, he said it'll say, "He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned." They change that believeth, he that believeth not shall be damned. That means he couldn't believe; he has no ability to believe, and so of course he's going to be damned. You know, we know there's a few we don't like to think about it, but we know there's a few that's going to go to hell. The Lord has told us that it's those that the Lord chooses not to save, but we're going to have the vast majority will be in heaven. But they'll change all the modern versions will change that to believes. Well, they've just taken, out of, taken it out of the Song of the Lamb and put it back under the Song of Moses. You've got to do good works to get that and keep that. You've got to do good, good works to earn that. If those two are the same, if believeth and believes are the same word, I take you back in the same book to Mark, the book of Mark. 20, uh, chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Jesus uses this, both words in the same sentence. You go to the New Gospel translations, and they'll change both of those believe. If they mean the same, then why did Jesus use two different tenses there? Why did he use two different tenses of that word in that one verse? This is in the same chapter. <coughs> the believeth, and when you see believeth, and it's throughout here, and we'll, we'll show again over here in, in John, Believeth means that the love of God is in you. I may not understand everything. I may not believe everything. I may live in deep, dark Africa, and I've never seen a copy of the Bible, nor it is. But the Lord touches my heart, then you can say, he believeth on God. I don't know the names, and I'm like the man who got, just came out of being blind. I don't know. I know one thing. I was blind, and now I see. I see the world differently. I feel differently about people in my heart. I may not know what to do about it. That's come back under the law of Moses, the book of Song of Moses. Let me go over here to John chapter 8 quickly and move along so I can get through. John chapter 8, beginning verse 31. 
And, Jesus, and then said Jesus to those which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, continue doing the good works, my word, that proves you're my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou that ye shall be freed? These two songs are about relieving you from bondage. We know the song of Moses was about being relieved of bondage of the world, bondage of what holds us today. Back then, it was they needed bread, they needed water, they needed out of slavery, they needed help from the snakes. They were under some kind of bondage or some kind of oppression. That's what the song of Moses was about. And they said, we were never under bondage. We're modern today. We've never been slaves. And Jesus answers that, and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. He goes on to tell us we're all under bondage to sin. And how do we get out of that bondage? Is anything in this world going to get you out from under that bondage to sinners? And the servant, servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. We know we're all going to die because of sin. We're going to die natural death because of the sin. But Jesus tells us, no, you're not. You're not going to die. As Job says, if a man dies, will he live again? Yes. We know that those of us who believe in the song of the Lamb don't die. <clears throat> we're given freedom from that oppression of death and sin by Jesus. That's the song of the Lamb. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, yes, you shall be free indeed. Jesus makes us free eternally from the bondage of sin and death that we would have. It's a, it's a, it, the song of Lamb is so much greater than the song of Moses. The song of Moses, we don't follow. We don't do what we're supposed to do always. We don't, we don't take care of ourselves like we should. We don't follow. We don't come to church like we should. We don't read our Bibles like we should. If we did... We'd get favor under the Song of Moses. That's what Moses, the Song of Moses is about. It's time salvation. Moses teaches us about time salvation. The Song of the Lamb teaches us about eternal salvation. <clears throat> we have time salvation and eternal salvation taught to us in the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. The Song of Moses is about following the law of the Lord. And in doing so, we're going to get salvation from our enemies. We're going to get salvation from problems and the cares of this world, just like the Israelites do. That's what the Song of Moses, I encourage you to go back and read Deuteronomy 32 and, and Exodus chapter 15, where, and read that they, they're going back and praises all the things the Lord has done for them and remembering it. We should too. We should go back and remember. We should count our blessings of all the things the Lord give us here. But even greater than that, we should sing the Song of of the Lamb, because He frees us eternally. He takes care of us eternally, and He did before the world began, before we could do any good works or bad works. It's not based on our works at all. It's based on His grace and His mercy. That's the song of the Lamb. And when we sing a song, who will go with us and sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? We have to. It's a great example of time salvation and eternal salvation between these two songs that we sing. I appreciate your attention, Brother Kenny, come forward.